0: Welcome to the Successfully Unemployed Show, the place where ordinary people become extraordinary by finding the path to financial freedom through entrepreneurship, side hustles, and passive income. We have already blazed the path, showing you how to retire early and have
1: financial independence so you will never work for someone else again. Successfully Unemployed, your place for freedom. all right, all right. It is time for another successfully unemployed show. My name is Dustin Heiner, and I'm here to help you learn how to become financially independent and never work a J-O-B again, that just overbroke job. Now, I want you to learn how to become an entrepreneur a side hustle expert, an investor, in every single which way possible to not work for somebody else. Working for somebody else, that's for the birds. I mean, we gotta get out of that and we need to become successfully unemployed. Now, the gentleman that i bring on today is an expert at podcast editing, as well as created a business where he edits podcasts and he could do it from anywhere in the world and he gets paid money. He gets paid well to edit these podcasts to make sure that they're perfect. And what is super amazing is anybody with a computer can actually do this. You don't need some special fancy software, certifications or anything like that. You, there's software out there for free and we'll get into that in today's show. I also wanna ask you a question. Have you ever heard of passive income? Well, when I first heard of passive income, I was like, what in the world is passive income? Where you don't work and you still make money? How is that possible? Well, it's absolutely possible and I wanna show you how. Go and get my best-selling book for free, How to Quit Your Job with Passive Income. Go to successfullyunemployed.co forward slash free book. I just want you to get started And I want you to have money without you working. And this book will get you down the path. And they even give you 10 different ways that you can start creating passive income right now. So go get it, successfullyunemployed.co forward slash free book. Let's now jump into today's show where I interview a podcast editing guru and see how to create a business to become successfully unemployed, editing other people's podcasts. All right, let's do this. I want to thank you so much, Steve, for being on the show with us today.
0: Hey, you're welcome. Thank you for having me on. I'm sorry I'm not wearing my unemployed t-shirt
1: today. I remember it was last year we were walking around, I think podcast movement, and I was wearing my shirt successfully unemployed. I'm not wearing it today. And you said, hey, can I have one of those? I said, sure. So I gave you one. And yeah, I'm glad that you represent successfully unemployed. So um, yeah, but let's jump right into it. How do you make money to provide for your family, pay your bills and all that stuff without having a just over broke job.
0: This was a career that just was born out of a side hustle. That was something that I had been doing for myself, which was podcast editing. I was editing my own podcast, which went from 2010 to 2015. And then somebody else asked, hey, Steve, we hate or We don't want to learn how to do all this stuff. We just want to outsource it. Would you do it? Uh, The no like and trust factor kind of played into that because they knew I liked podcast. Actually, I love podcasting. I love the medium and I loved helping people start and make their podcasts better. So once they hired me, then a bunch of other people started to hear that I would do this for money. And I was like, okay, this is starting to grow. So within six months from January, 2016 to June of 2016, it exploded. And I had to give everything else that I was doing up the day job, the side hustle that I was working on for eight years for this new side hustle, which is now my career as a podcast editor.
1: That is fant- fantastic in six months, in six months being able to not be working for somebody else because that's the goal in Successfully Unemployed is to be our own boss or have investments that make us money or basically just get away from working for somebody else. And so that is fantastic. Now, take us back when you were a, a an assistant manager of that record store. Take us back to when you were just ordinary working at J-O-B and how that transitioned, and I, you just mentioned how you you started editing podcasts and just six months got to it. But what's that transition to where now you are successfully unemployed, and all the emotions and feelings of scared, all that sort of stuff in doing that for making the leap? Yes, because there's the security factor in there. I mean, right now, even even today, there's still the
0: security factor that I'm worried about because at any time, podcasting could lose favor in you know in consumption, and my my. Clients would then hire, uh, would fire me. Uh, There was always that factor because uh, long story short is I had a day job up until about before this thing started. I had been working on trying to grow a financial coaching business for about eight years. Was still working on it full time after I quit the day job, but that was only for a few months and it hadn't gone anywhere. And that was real fear right there because I've got my wife who is looking at me going, okay, you, you, you quit the day job and you're working on this full time, more than full time now it hasn't grown. What's going on? And I was just feeling like a complete failure. I was doing everything I could to make my financial coaching business grow. And it wasn't doing that. Then fortunately the podcast setting anything just exploded. And uh, so I had it really easy. And the fact that a, we had already paid off our mortgage. We had no debt. So that makes living a whole lot easier. I can promise you that uh, Two, My wife does have a, a good job. So we were able to have the health insurance and stuff like that. And three is the fact that as soon as, you know, it was within about eight to 10 months when I quit the day job that this thing started. And then another six months later, it was like, okay, this is now making me more money than the old day job, the old salary job used to.
1: That's terrific. Now, quickly go into, you told us, or you told me a story that you were working For somebody else, you're working in a system manager at a record store, and the guy kept telling you, you're not seeing the big picture, and he took you in the back room and pounded on the table. Tell us a little bit about that, because that's what employees have to put up with.
0: Yep, yep. I was working for a company that I loved. It was a record retail chain. I got to work in a store that sold CDs to people who wanted to buy music. Wait, wait, what's, what's a CD? (laughs) <laughs> Actually, let me let me start back. It, we had we had a cassette singles back then too. Wow. That's how old, you know, we had records, of course, cassettes, cassette singles, CDs. And I was walking up the ranks from full-time employee to assistant manager to eventually got to be a manager. But as I was assistant manager, they opened up a store not too far from my home. It was a flagship store built from the ground up. All the bells and whistles. I was like really excited. I was like, this is great. I'd love it to be my store, but of course I didn't have the seniority. So I'm working for this other guy. We'll call him Tom. So Tom is my manager and he kept telling me I I wasn't seeing the big picture. I wasn't seeing the big picture. I never really understood what the big picture was. It was never explained, but I had to be the employee. I had to take it because I was, I had a job. I had to, I had to work. I had to do what they said. There was a point one day where I did something. I was trying to order a CD and it wasn't available. It wasn't in any catalogs. It wasn't anywhere. So I, I just eventually told the customer, like, I'm sorry, I can't, I, I can't get it for you. It must be some kind of a, a rare import or it's out of print. Uh, when the customer left, Tom, my manager, came up to me. He's like, dude, you got to try harder, blah, blah, blah. Took me in the back room He's like, I got to talk to you. And he was just fuming and he pounded his fist on the table. And it was the first time I actually felt fear. I, I didn't think he was going to strike me. He wasn't that type of guy. But when you see anger in someone's face and they're pounding on the table like that, and it's directed at you for some reason, especially if you don't understand why, that's that's not a situation I want to be in. If I was the employer, I could just blow it off. you know, Or if I was a client, you know, a contractor like I am now, I could just blow it off. Back then, as an employee, I have to take it. So it was a very scary situation. One that I'm sure other people have had worse situations, but that was just the one that stands out in my mind that, that I shared with you before.
1: Yeah, and that does sound something that... It- as an employee, you really, I mean, you're at the, I guess, the, the working request of your boss. If they say, you know what, it's time for you to leave, then it's time for you to leave. That's just really, really sad. But working for yourself, you have so many more options. And what's great is, and what I found, and this is how you and I met, is through networking because we love our businesses. We love what we do. And so we want to meet other people that are doing the same thing as us. And so we go to conferences or meetups or something like that, and we get to meet each other. And we get to work with people that we like. I don't interview people on my show on Successful Unemployed that I just either don't get along with or it's probably me. Like my personality probably rubs them wrong and they don't like me. But it's like I there's there's only so much time in my life to devote to working with some of the people. I want to work with people that I like. So that's a great thing about being successfully unemployed. Now, with your now transitioning for six months, you're working, you're, you're editing podcasts and you're realizing This is something that I can actually make money at and quit everything that I'm doing to put full focus time in that. So you've been doing it for probably about a little over three years now. Now, how did you first start doing the editing? Is that something that's really, it sounds like you need a certificate. It sounds like you need need to go to, to learn this, that and the other and go to college or something like that. Tell us about this.
0: No, I was self-taught. If you think about it, I was working in music retail. This is way back when there was vinyl, before CDs. Then CDs came along. Then eventually computers were able to burn CDs. You remember we used to be... I don't know if you remember. Oh, I sure do. I sure do. You could burn your own CDs. And so I was able to learn some software that you would be able to, you know, plug your your turntable into a mixer, your mixer into a computer through a sound card, and then be able to burn the disc that you could then play in your car. Or I also DJed for a while. So I was learning... The, the electronic version, the digital version of of audio through the, infant I don't want to say the infancy of it, but as far as a consumer side level of it. And there was a program that came out called uh, Audacity. It came out in the year 2000. Actually, it's, it's almost 20 years old now. And it came out and I was like, okay, here's another one I could try. And I liked it. It was very basic, easy, simple to use. And I just started to learn how to use it. Then when I started to... When I wanted to create a podcast for my financial coaching business back in 2010, I just went with what was natural. This was all stuff that I had already known. I knew how to hit record, I knew how to export, I knew how to do very basic editing stuff. And of course, doing it, you know, you learn things over time to then make your skills better. And of course, somebody else that's coming in who's brand new doesn't know any of it. And I've had, you know, five years of it, uh, of editing podcasts before anybody ever asked me to do any of their stuff for them. So it's all stuff that I learned on my own. Uh, there are courses. There are, of course, plenty of resources on YouTube that are free. Uh, you won't get a, a, a good, you know, linear training from that, but uh, there is stuff that you can learn. Just like if you had to replace the doorknob on your on your front door or something like that, you can learn almost anything these days from all kinds of different resources and sources, and it doesn't take any kind of formal training.
1: So. To get started, if somebody were to say, you know, I really enjoy technology, number one, but I also love the medium of, of audio. I love that, that aspect of um, talking to people, working with people. To get in and start in a podcast editing, what would be the first step? Would it be to just download Audacity, like you said? Because it's free. It's a free software. I use it. I love Audacity. It's fantastic just get started and just start playing with it or is there other steps that you could think of like how do we get started in an editing business where we edit and provide for a family with that business
0: well as far as creating a business from it it's very hard to do just like anything else and from what i understand it takes about 3 years to become profitable uh i can i i've looked at my numbers from the first 2 years and i can tell you i wasn't very profitable in the first 2 years but the third year it's just kind of clicked and it started to take off because I had worked through the kinks and the processes of the business, not just I can edit audio. Uh, To get started, if you really want to do podcast editing, yes, there are some courses. Uh, If you like Adobe products, uh, you can get Audition, which is the uh, audio version, and like if, if people think about Photoshop, that's all you know f- for photographs and pictures. Audition is their audio program, and there's a great course on Udemy by Mike Russell. I actually checked on it for somebody today; it was twelve bucks. I'm like, well, I might just have to take that myself. Uh, there's of course tutorials on websites for different other softwares like Hindenburg, Reaper. I think is the best one for podcast editing. It's really designed more for that, where you get the other programs and they're really designed around music. Creation and and you know the uh, the mixing and stuff like that. Audacity though is free, and of course, like I said, I've been using it for almost twenty years now, and it just become efficient with it. So for me to jump ship and try something else would be hard, and that's kind of where I want to go with with the answer to this. You are asking how do they get started? First, they need to learn how to do what they're trying to do. If they're going to be a podcast editor, they need to learn their DAW, their digital audio workstation. So whatever that is, if it's a brand new program, learn it from scratch. If you already know something. Use it and then just get better at it and that'll become more efficient and you'll be able to produce things more efficiently from that. Finding clients, of course, is the biggest question. I mean, there's all kinds of podcasters out there who would love to have somebody else edit their show so you can get somebody. The problem is how much will they pay you? And of course, you don't want to give your time away. Uh, I have a, a, a rule of thumb for anybody that I talk to who's looking at getting into this. You have to make, tw- and, and this is United States dollars I'm talking about, you have to make $20 an hour. your efforts however you charge them it doesn't matter regardless but you know if you if you you spend three hours editing for somebody you need to make 60 bucks bottom line I mean that's just that's what you've got to do otherwise this is really just a hobby and it's going to take some time to you know get somewhere where you actually could make some money on this right now I'm making a lot more than that Um, I'm very blessed and uh, I think the other variable in there is something that you can learn about uh, but it's really something that it's not just taught. It's something that you, you, I don't know, it's just a good customer service. You got to provide excellent customer service. You've got to be there for them when they want, uh, within reason, of course, you've got to be able to deliver whatever you promise. And that's your deadlines, uh, the quality of the product that you deliver. And that's not just editing. That's anything excellent customer service will get people, to overlook your flaws and your, your deficiencies. There's a lot of things I'm not good at, uh, but they're overlooked because I provide such excellent customer service and I'm trusted from uh, by my clients.
1: Talk about the... Um... You actually doing work and then using it as something you can put out and say, I've done this before and this is the reason why you should go with me. Like basically your portfolio of things. Talk about how that can help because here's what I do. So I invest in real estate rental properties and then I also coach how to invest in real estate rental properties. Now, as people come on and they say, hey, I want to I want to go with you as a coach and I'm just about ready to pull the trigger to jump in with you, you know, and be a coaching student could you give me a referral to somebody so that they can tell me, like I can literally talk to them on the phone and they can tell me about your services. And so for me, what I do is I literally tell them, because I've done this in the past, I've literally given out information to my customers, um, uh, potential customers of past students. And I, what I found when I do that, number one, I'm bothering my past students and that's, that's not really the best thing. But number two, what if the person doesn't buy and it's just all for, all for not? So what I found is that, my history, everything that I've done in the past from the podcasts, my books, my articles, everything, like all all the things that I've done where I've shown my ability to produce, that is my reference. So talk about your being able to reference everything that you've done or anything in the past so that you can, instead of saying, you know, go talk to this person that I actually edit for or something like that, how does that help you in your business to grow, to find better or more clients? Well, to start,
0: I had I had my own podcast and there was the you know, catalog of content, which I wouldn't say that people listen to my show to hire me. Uh, I can tell you they probably didn't. There's quite a few people that I just got to know and they got to know who I was and and just the energy and and the and excitement I had about the medium of podcasting that got them excited about doing it better, too. Uh, but I could say a lot of them don't actually listen to the end product that I produced on my own before this ever became any kind of a career, but I could show that, Hey, there's this thing called a podcast. It's sitting on my website. You can hear it on this app. And you know, that's kind of credibility built in right there, because if you're, if you have something, you can show that you've produced, that you've done, you've got your art on the wall that they can actually look at. Well, that, that just tells them what they need to know. Uh, and if they don't, have all the answers that they need to know before hiring you, they're gonna ask, or they should. One thing you want to do if you're starting a business is is open that door so that people can ask you questions. And once once they have your ear, immediately the trust factor goes up. Because oh this is a real person. It's not just some kind of a you know a static website where I just click buy. (laughs) You ever buy something online where you just click that buy button, you're like, oh my gosh, did I just make a mistake? You know, you don't get you don't do that when you actually talk to somebody and they're like, Hey, you know, we're thinking about it. Uh, you know, we're thinking about starting a podcast. We don't want to learn how to edit. We don't want to do that. We know that you're the guy, you know, people say it all the time and it drives me crazy. There's so many guys, but, uh, you know, when they get you on the phone and they actually speak with you, the trust factor goes up and that's really key.
1: That's great. Now you mentioned, and that's something I absolutely need to touch on. If somebody's going to be asking us questions about our business, about our abilities, and, you know, a customer is calling us up or talking to us. What are the questions that we would potentially need to be ready for? And what are the answers? What are good answers for those questions?
0: Can you ask that again, a different way? Sure.
1: What questions would you be asked? And then how should we answer them?
0: For getting a client a or? customer,
1: a customer is calling you up and says, Hey, Steve, okay. I want you to start working for me. And I have these questions. So what would those questions oh, be? Oh, Specific
0: to podcast editing. Yes.
1: Okay. All right. Well, the first question I ask
0: them, I have to have the answer here first is what's your goal with the podcast? You know, what do you want to get out of it? And a lot of people say, Oh, I want to, I want to do a podcast and help people through my, yeah. Okay. That's fine. But you can't do that forever because you're going to spend a lot of time and energy creating a podcast. And if you're not getting any, anything in return, then you're going to quit. It's just, it's proven time and time again, people quit hobbies once they, they no longer have fun with it. So what if you're trying to make this into a business and you don't get any kind of feedback, you don't get any kind of return. People aren't buying your course, they aren't joining your membership. uh, Or if you're trying to do a sponsorship deal and you don't need any sponsors, you're going to quit. What's your goal? I have to find that out first. So the questions that they need to ask me then after we find out what their, their goal is, you know, how do we. They might ask the technical questions about how, you know, what kind of mic, how do we record? Um, but the, the real question for an editor is, how do I get you my files? And then we've got to figure out, you know, what their format is. If they're starting a brand new show, if they haven't already got their format in line, you know, how do you want this show to, to progress? An introduction, tip of the week in there. I don't know. It could be any variety of things. Uh then there's, of course, the deliverables, which means once I'm done and I've got this thing produced, what do I do with it? I've got this MP3 sitting here on my computer. You know, Do they have a website? They want me to upload their file to their media host. Uh, is there any kind of marketing involved? Those are the questions that they would have to ask me if I do. I don't do show notes. I don't do marketing. I just do the audio production and upload to their media host and things like that. Uh, those are probably the primary questions. Uh, that they need to ask me. The good thing is, I, I pretty much do all the work for them. As far as once they hit, they hit stop on the recording and upload it to Dropbox or Google Drive or whatever they're sharing it with me through. Uh, then I just it's just email.
1: <laughs> that's that's terrific. Now I do all of my editing, my show notes, the images, these. I, I do all that stuff for both Master Passive Income Show and the Successfully Unemployed Show. Now let's do this. I just got, had this idea. If I were to hire you, I'm gonna call up, hey, steve steward.me. I went to your site and I want to hire you. I'm thinking about hiring you. How about we do a quick little role play? So Absolutely. I'm gonna be asking you questions. Yeah, that's great. Let's let's do that. Because that would help everybody listening and watching this on YouTube. They're gonna be able to see um, what questions somebody would have should have if they're gonna be hiring you. But then also if somebody's gonna start their own business, how to answer those questions? So let's say, all right, Steve, I see that you edit podcasts and you produce and you do all that sort of stuff. What I do with Successfully employed Show is I interview somebody on Squadcast and I record the video and I record the audio. What can you do for my podcast or even YouTube? Do you do video as well? Like, tell me about your services. So in case I if I want to hire you, what do you do? Well,
0: it's going to sound like a big sales pitch for me. So I'm going to try and generalize it for anybody who's looking to hire any kind of an editor uh you would say you're set, uh, first of all i got to find out how you're going to get me these files okay so so, so i'll tell along.
1: you i'll put them on drawbox i'll go ahead and lo- upload them drawbox i have or i pay a uh, google drive I already paid money to have a you know 100 gigs or whatever let's put it there right right,
0: right. or if you're recording with Squadcast, like we are you right just now you could just you could you could share your password with me and that's another conversation piece is, what access do you want to give me to your stuff? LastPass is a, a password management system, which allows you to share the password with me without me ever seeing the pa- I just I get to log in as you without ever seeing your password. And that allows me to take off one more piece of the work for you. So really, you're just communicating, hey, I just got off the phone with um, you know, uh, James Altucher. And, and uh, it's in Squadcast. I can go up there and I can download it for you so you don't have to worry about it. Then I'll do the production. Uh, we've, let's say we have the discussion about your format, how you want that done. Uh, music, bumpers, sponsorship, reads, whatever you end up doing in there. Uh, and then from that point, um, we can then upload to your media host and schedule it out. However you decide to do that.
1: So you would take care of everything. Once I hit record and stop, if I give you access to everything, um, where you can download everything, you'll make sure that it's put in order in the way that I want the show to be, you know, from intro music to the announcer to intro music. And then boom, here comes into the show and the outro and all that sort of stuff. You'll make sure that gets done right, edit it. So you'll, will you remove all the ums and and all that sort of stuff as well?
0: Yeah, I, I guess that's something that's just assumed. I'm going to go through every minute of the audio and I'm going to clean it up. I'm going to take out some of the noise. I'm going to take out the stumbles. I'm going to take out the ums. To my best ability, there's going to be some that just you can't take an um out of umbrella. I, <laughs> that's a horrible example, but there's just sometimes you just can't take it out. And that leaves, I leave that in there because it makes people sound human. We want people to still sound human. We just want the, the message that they're communicating to come across better. So I'm going to take away all the obstacles, all the, the static, all the hesitation in getting that message to come across clearly to the person who's wearing the earbuds listening to your show. That's all done on on the post-production side that I do.
1: Ideally, all I want for my audience, somebody listening to the Successful Unemployed show, is not even noticing the quality, just noticing the content in the show. That's the ultimately the uh, end goal that I would want. And so being able to do that, making it seamless, making everything run and feel very, very smooth, that's absolutely what, what, what I want. Now, do you also do artwork or is it just the audio?
0: Yeah, for me, it's just the audio. Uh, I've, of course, got a list of resources that people can choose from, that you can choose from uh, to to get what you want to. But I like the idea, and it's probably because I'm such a control uh, control freak myself. I want to control everything. I want to have my hands on everything. For me to give somebody else my podcast to edit would be scary to me. Uh, I'd like to let the, the person who runs the show have control and then let them give up whatever they feel uh, they can let go. Uh, but then they also... I'm not good at the artwork stuff. I'm not good at any of the content creation stuff. I'm good at the, I'm the guy behind the stage who pulls the ropes and turns the lights on and off. I'm the guy who, you know, is in the in the sound booth who just turns the the volume levels up and makes everything you know sound good. I'm not the person on stage on the microphone singing the song. I'm not the guitar player, the drummer. I'm not performing. That's the man. That's the host job. So then, when it comes to things like uh, you know marketing and doing the artwork. And, uh, you know, contacting guests, I'm not a specialist there. Uh, I've niched myself into this position where I can only do the audio post-production and not have to worry about providing other services like show notes, artwork, uh, voiceovers, uh, you know, scheduling the group, the, the, the recordings, doing a tape sync and things like that, which I think is beautiful that I've been able to niche myself into that, that little corner
1: and it's absolutely terrific to be able to do that because what i found is that the more smaller niche that i get a niche that i get the more people find me and specifically want me and my services as opposed to well you have all these services let me pick and choose no it's this is what i do and i'm i i stick to my strengths now if let's just i know you don't charge this but let's say you charge $20 an hour as a somebody's going to be hiring you i'm trying to think Well, how much would it cost me? So if I give you a 45-minute show beginning to end, this is just recording, you got to do the intro, the outro, and all that sort of stuff and produce it, how long would that take? Like, Give me an estimate of what I, on a day-to-day or episode-to-episode basis, how much would I be charged if it's $20 an hour? These
0: are all... these are all really good questions that come out in a conversation with a potential client. I love this. It's still role-playing, right? We're exactly. Still
1: role-playing.
0: Okay. <laughs> no, it's a good point. Uh, I need three to four days of uh, three to four business days to turn things around because there are so many clients that I deal with. And frankly, a lot of them give me their stuff last minute, and it's just I've gotta do it. I gotta do it that day. So uh, and, and I like to I like to sleep, I like to eat, and I like to take some time off, you know. Uh, I can't work every hour of the day. So it's gotta be three to four days that I'm provided with the files beforehand. That gives me the, uh, the time to get it all scheduled and worked and, and all that stuff. Um, what was the other piece you were saying? How, uh, how many hours files.
1: would it be to produce a show? Oh, pay. Yes.
0: No, 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 pay. You want to know what pay. Got okay, it. so yeah. uh, I'm going to give you some industry standards because last year I did a survey in my, I got a Facebook group for, for podcast editors. And I did a survey and some of the results came out very interesting. Uh, what we found was, and, and I gave the scenario. To the people who took the survey, I said, here's what I propose. Let's say you get a 60-minute recording. That's all the audio you need to produce the episode. You got all the other elements. You get 60 minutes of audio. You do the detailed editing, the ums and ahs. You do some basic noise reduction, volume leveling. Volume leveling is very important. Uh, And you put it all together and convert it to an MP3. What would that cost? From that survey, we found the average price charge to the client would be $105. We also, I asked some questions and found out from how much time it took them to do this work and all this stuff, was able to see that the average podcast editor was earning, on average, about $40 an hour. So if you estimate that, you know, if somebody worked for three hours, they're charging 120 bucks. If they were get able to get that 60-minute thing done in two hours, which is pretty incredible, you know, then they're only charging 120 I would say that that type of person needs to be charging more anyway, because if you get it that done, done that fast, you're either not doing the job. So actually should pay, paid less or they're doing a really great job and they should charge more because they're, they're an expert at it. They're very efficient. Uh, So as far as prices, you can just kind of estimate that it's either about 60 minutes of audio on average in the industry here in the United States is about $105 for 60 minute episode. Um, Or you're going to be charged about $40 a, an hour of their time To produce your show Your post-production So And that doesn't include Anything like show notes
1: Or artwork or anything Like
0: that It's just the audio Got
1: it So here's what I do With Successful Unemployed And you tell me If this is bad What I do is Because I like The interaction So I'm going to be Putting the video Up on YouTube Every single Successful Unemployed Show episode I do It's on YouTube But then I also Put it on As a podcast But I literally Just take the audio That we have The conversation Unless there's like A huge pause And somebody coughs And like Well, can you edit that out? And they actually tell me, would you please edit that out? Other than that, I just put it in there with people talking longer, pausing longer, saying ums. Is that bad? Should I actually say, you know what? I need to pay somebody to go through the show to make it more clean so that the person listening to it has a better experience.
0: Overall, no, it's not bad. Uh, I will say, though, that there's competition out there who do edit and it's going to make their... Their performance or their the listener's experience is going to be better just because there are few, fewer of those stumbles they have to get through. So you've got to think about that too. Now, content is king. If the content is really good, let's say let's say for example, Dustin, let's say you got a Barack, uh, Barack Obama to do an interview, but it was only by phone, so you didn't even have the video. But you could use your video, but just a static image of him. And he's doing it over his cell phone while let's say while he was a president, uh, he was doing it from uh, Air Force One. know it's in the air the thing's flying it's there's all kinds of crappy noise are you going to not publish that because it's crappy cell phone signal from you know i'm (laughs) absolutely going to
1: publish it yes absolutely
0: (laughs) the content is there you're going to publish it uh the people who create who who say they capture the ufos on their phones and it's crappy video but guess what it's on every news station why because the content is good however it's really hard to see what that thing is. You're like, I want to see more. I don't, it's really hard to assume that. So if there was a way to somehow enhance the listener's performance by removing the crutches, by taking out some of that, that airplane noise, I guess you'd say, uh, you know, the rumble in the background. uh, If you were able to bring your guests volume up to the same volume level you're at, and they're both at a volume that you can play in your car and understand you're, that that show's gonna stand out more than the show that just picks up their cell phone records on anchor and publishes straight out to the to the world so there's competition you have to be concerned about of course content is king but I don't know of a lot of content out there that doesn't already get a bunch of attention
1: that's going to be popular so that your answer to great questions now if I were to hire you, why would I hire you as opposed to somebody else? Like this, I guess this, this is how I always, everything from hiring somebody to work as employee, subcontractor, that's always a question I personally ask. So if I were to say, hey, Steve, why should I hire you over anybody else?
0: Well, the beauty about me is, is you know exactly what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna sit there and work on it. And I'm, I'm going to only work with people from the niche, my peers, I'm gonna work with my peers. So uh, let's just use the example that, you're not putting out any kind of a personal finance money type show. Let's say it's a comedy show. I'm not going to push hard. I, I, I'm going to give you my rate. And if you like it, then we're going to work together. But then we're basing it all on money. I don't like that type of relationship. So if you were putting out a personal finance type of show and you were saying, Steve, I want to work with you. Obviously, you know, some of my background, that credibility factor comes into play. I know the content, at least a general sense of it, um, I'll give you an example. If I can come over it real quick, uh, somebody, okay. Yeah. Uh, I had outsourced. So I do have some people I outsource work to, and I got a comment back from one of the editors said, oh, I think they messed up because they said something about bigger pockets and they're about to edit it out. I'm like, no, 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 no. You don't understand. Bigger pockets is huge. That is a name of a show. It's not just, they need to get on bigger podcasts. They need to get on bigger pockets. It was the, the, that was the comment. They were saying that the person needed to get on bigger pockets as a guest, but my editor had no idea what bigger pockets was. So I was like, no, see, so I know the content. I know generally what your message is. So we kind of, we kind of form an alliance here on how to get your message across to the people. Cause I know what that content is.
1: That makes great sense. I, I love that idea. So how do we then scale the business to where we can make enough money? Is it just charging more? Is it? Could we hire anybody to work with us? Like, what what can we do to scale the business to make more money so that we make sure we don't have to work for somebody else ever again and another job?
0: Yeah, well, I'll tell you the story of how I've grown this over the past four years. It started with just that side hustle, and I was way undercharging for the work I was doing. Way, I mean, I was not making anywhere even, I wasn't even close to five. I I could have made more just waitressing and not getting any tips. I mean, that's how bad it was. Uh, but over time, then when you get more clients, of course, then you're like, okay, this is consuming more of my time and I think I'm worth more. I've got more experience under my belt, so I can. So then you start to raise your rates over that, you know, on the new clients. Of course, the old clients are still paying an old rate. So you got to raise their rates over time. Find a reason, a justifiable reason to do that. Don't just say, hey, I'm going to charge you more. That's just not fair. So over time, you're raising your rates on new clients. Maybe you're raising some rates on the older clients. Uh, and, and that demand, once that hits this critical level, and, and I always struggled with raising rates on people. I was like, I don't feel like I'm worth it. But once you hit that critical level, you're like, I have to charge more money because I can't do the work. But if they're going to pay me twice as much as this client over here. Uh, okay. Yeah. You know, that's definitely worth it. Uh, then there's the next step, which was to, well, there's actually a middle step in there, but that's to become more efficient as you're working. And make sure that you have processes in place to take care of the business side. Because you are saying we got to make this into a career or a business, uh, you know we got to be—we're not working for somebody else, so we have to get our bookkeeping in, in order. Have ways for people to pay us easily. You want know, to take all the, the the hesitations out of people being able to pay you quickly. Uh, good accounting software would be helpful, or at least a method would be great. Um, all that bookkeeping fun stuff, just like you know we love to talk about—that's <laughs> got to be in place. And then finally, it's okay if this is going to grow past me. Beyond myself, now I got to bring on some more people. And in this environment that we're in, it's great because we can find other people who want to do this as their side hustle. They're at the beginning stages like I was five years ago or four years ago, and they want to make some side hustle money. Uh, fortunately for me, I've, I've been able to find some people that I've trained and they've been fantastic. So there's five people that I send a workout to on a regular basis and they do great work for me. Uh, I feel like they're teammates. I don't have to worry about all the employee type stuff where there's benefits and uh, regulation and all this other stuff. They're contractors or subcontractors, which is a lot easier to work with. And then they're not relying on me for their livelihood as well. So I've been able to grow it from not making any money to charging more money to charging enough money that I could start to actually become profitable to charging more money because, well, the demand was higher than, than I could handle to where I could then take on more higher paying clients because I was able to get more work done by outsourcing it to people that I've trained and trust. Does that
1: make sense? It sure does. And so when you outsource it or you you have subcontractors, they're basically working for you. It's still your quality content. And that's what people care about. Not that you're actually doing the work. It's like, I just want Steve Stewart quality stuff. And as long as you're making sure it's Steve Stewart quality, it's me, if I were hiring you, as long as I get Steve Stewart quality stuff, then I am happy. So if you need to have somebody else do it to help your time, but you make sure it's good, then I am good to go. So that's how that's a perspective that I would have. So that's great. So you can actually scale the business and not just work one hour and get paid. You can actually scale it by hiring other people out. Now, if I were to want to get started in editing and being a podcast producer and start doing everything that you're doing, how do I learn? Do you have courses? Do you teach people how to do this?
0: Well, personally, yes, I have two ways of training people. One is a class I do maybe once or twice a year, and that's uh, four one-hour meetings. I I haven't decided when it's going to be yet, probably after March of 2020. Uh, But then I do have a course on how to use Audacity. Now, it's not the complete version of how you're going to use Audacity start to finish, but it does give you – there's a free version, which helps people to understand this is the program. is where you get it. This is everything, all the buttons that you would use for a podcast – and then there's a, a upper tier level, which then people could purchase and buy into, which then I show them the tips and tricks that I use to be able to edit faster. And there's some tips in there that I learned along the way as well. I was like, oh, my gosh, I never knew about this thing called Find Zero Crossings. Game changer right there. <laughs> it's like I got to put that in my course. So there's a lot of experience there. I do need to update it, but it's, it's going to get people started at least with audacity uh, to where they can use this program and edit their own stuff a little bit more than just what you learn on YouTube.
1: That's great. And I'm going to absolutely say and vouch for your number one, your editing skills. But number two, your ability to show people how to actually use audacity, because I've I've been a part of a Facebook. Uh, so we you and I met at FinCon through FinCon. It's a financial bloggers conference. Love that conference. We go, I go and we go every single year. And we're a part of a podcast network with the FinCon group in a Facebook group. And every single question anybody has, you're boom. Top notch. The best answer. Really detailed. Because you're just a normal, just like you're a normal person, just like me, just like everybody listening, like the guy next door. Hey, I just want to help. You know, let's just, let's help each other out. Everything will get better as we help each other out. So that's why I love I love the idea that um you can actually scale the business by helping other people. You know, hiring or you know subcontracting out. That's just fantastic. Now I want to jump into the rapid fire round. Are you ready? Okay. Awesome. So the rapid fire round is very simple. You should be able to get these off the top of your head. So the first one is as we were able to quit our jobs, not be employed by somebody else, we hopefully have a little bit of time to give back and because we're, we're blessed to be able to have more time. We're not working 40, 50, 60 hours a week. G- give us a way that you are giving back either to the, make the world a better place, your community, your family, something that you're giving back because we have some extra time. Well, I have to first
0: argue with the phrase giving back because giving back is only for people who borrow their lawnmowers from their neighbors or they're debtors and thieves. Uh, you're giving, you're giving. There's no strings attached to giving. And that's what, that's what you should be doing. It's just giving of yourself. Yes, maybe you've learned from other people, but there's no expectation that you're going to give back. So I, 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 I that, that phrase bothers me. It's not giving back, it's giving. Let's just start there. By the way, if you start saying it that way, it changes. The way you feel about it it's fantastic giving was always something i was doing even while i was working the day job and going to these conferences like fincon i was excited about the medium i was excited to see other people uh their success or that they wanted to try podcasting i felt like i knew enough there to be able to contribute to the conversation so i was always giving there um i remember the first uh fincon i participated in not just attended but participated and i did a workshop uh, It was actually here in st louis where i live and so it made it easy for me to bring my light gear, my camera, my microphone, all this stuff set up in a, a side room before the conference ever actually started and said, hey, if you guys are here early, let me show you how to do all this stuff. I was giving and there was no expectation of any kind of, of a, a repay or that I was getting something out of it. Of course, I did get something out of it because I was giving. And when you give, you do get something out of it. Um, how do I give now? It's really a lot of these Facebook groups that I'm communicating in Um I've got a Facebook group of my own for podcast editors. I'm actually holding a conference for them. That's something that would have never happened if I didn't put myself in the position to lead the group, which scares me to call myself some kind of a leader. Um, I do have a partner that's helping me with that as well. I should give him credit, Mark Deal. Mark Deal is a fantastic guy, helped me with that. But, uh, that's, that's, yes, people are buying tickets, they're paying money to come to the conference, but there's gonna be so much value. And That's a word I dislike as well, but everybody understands what I'm saying. There's so much value that's going to be given at that conference that I know everybody's going to get their money's worth.
1: So that that's terrific. you're absolutely and I can absolutely attest to you just love to give or it's, it comes across that you love to give. So I fully appreciate it. Now the next question is if somebody were to get started, and I know we've covered a lot of ground already, but give us a succinct way that somebody can get started with becoming a, a podcast producer and editor, how do they get started?
0: Hopefully they've got some experience behind their belt. And if they do, then they can participate in communities, either online or I like the offline communities as well. I will say you probably won't get much. Well, let me take that back. I I know a lot of people, you know, like they'll list themselves on Upwork, Upwork, I think it's Upwork. Yeah, Upwork, excuse me. Upwork, uh, Fiverr. That's when you're making less than $20 an hour because there's somebody else getting a cut of you listing yourself as a, we'll just say it's like a virtual assistant, you know, hired for the job. Uh, and that's it. Whereas, if you find a client on your own, you'll probably be able to demand a high, little higher rate. And that's where a lot of in-person type meetings uh, can help. Uh, meetups, local meetups, obviously Facebook groups, uh, conferences can be huge. just I've, I've, we've, I've been doing some studying. Mark Deal and I have done some uh, studying on. How many conferences do you go to? Do, the more conferences do you go to? Do you make more? We've actually found that not to be true. So I can't say that always going to conferences makes uh, you successful, but interacting, networking with people, uh, that's, that's the key right there. Because when people get to know, like and trust you, they're, they're more likely to hire you for work. They know you're on their side and that's, that's a
1: key to it. That's great. I love that. Next question. If you were to go back and give your younger, let's say 13-year-old self, any tip advice of business, of life or anything, what would it be?
0: Oh, okay. This is supposed to be rapid fire. Let's just cut it down really short to uh, learn how to budget, uh, learn how to save, and learn how to do uh, taxes. In fact, let me go back to the taxes piece. Um, back in 2005, I actually went and took the h and Block training course for three months to learn how to do taxes and did tax preparation for a season. Loved it. Found out how messed up the tax code was, but I still today, I feel like I understand the 1040, even though it's changed so much. I still feel like I understand taxes. Well, to a point, (laughs) nobody can fully understand taxes period. But, uh, yeah those that was that was definitely uh, something that I can bring with me into the future
1: so definitely all about finances I think that's something that the youth today are not getting and we have I didn't get it when I was growing up and so I love love those ideas but I would have to push back I hate taxes, I will never do taxes I love making more money so I can pay somebody else to do my taxes that's my favorite thing to do It's like here take my money, do my taxes so next question we got two more so last our second last question is. What tool, app, or it could be a journal, like what should we implement into our lives that you have found be very, very helpful?
0: That's a general question. It's a very general question. I'll tell you what, I probably enjoy Wineab. You need a budget too much. <laughs> it's fantastic. The method behind budgeting makes me want to make sure I've got two months worth of living expenses saved up without even knowing it. Um, and then I'm out there, you know, we're out there going to buy groceries or not groceries. Let's use clothing. Clothing is something you don't normally go out and buy every day. It's not something you plan on buying very frequently. Uh, if you do, then hopefully you've got a good budget for it, but I don't know how much I can spend. Uh, for example, a couple months ago, I needed to buy a new winter coat. I'm like, okay, well, I was, I was, I had the opportunity to go out and get the coat. I, I don't usually leave the house that much. So when I'm out and I'm like, okay, I need to do this now. I had the opportunity. Let's go do it. I could just look at my phone, the app on the phone, YNAB on the phone. And it says, okay, we have a hundred dollars left in clothing budget. Well, cool. Now I can buy a, you know, 60, $70 uh, coat without busting a budget. It was right there on my, in the palm of my hand. That's a weird, weird example, but it's just because I like to have that feeling of control of our money. Um, I can see it in my in the palm of my hand. That just makes me feel better about finances in general.
1: That's great. So YNAB, you need a budget. I'll well, that'll be in the show notes for you, but I got one better thing for you. Move to Arizona. You don't need a coat. Like why even have a budget for coats? <laughs> just move to Arizona. Hang out with me. It's so much better here.
0: <laughs> well, we kind of love the snow. We're actually planning on moving to Colorado, the mountains. Oh,
1: Colorado, I remember that. So. Yeah, very cool. Okay, last yeah. question. What is one nonfiction book could be business, could be life, whatever it might be that you really enjoy that we should read.
0: The Millionaire Next Door, hands down, by Dr. Thomas Stanley. Fantastic book. Gives you a great uh view of what a real millionaire looks like, acts like, lives like. It's not what you see on TV. And we all know reality TV is so true. It's all real, right? No, this this tells you, and I know it's an old book, it's it's gonna be th- Thirty years old here in I don't I forget, but it should be thirty years old here soon. But even today, if you look at it, uh, the the, the examples that it talks about in there are pretty fantastic and eye-opening, and I think it's still true today. The Millionaire Next Door by Timeless Stanley.
1: I completely agree with it. I read about 10, maybe, no, maybe about 15 years ago, and I use that for how I live today. I literally, so I lived in California when I first started investing in real estate in 2006. Now, since I moved to Arizona, I had a rental property in Arizona, so the tenants moved out and I moved into it. It's a 1,200 square foot house. And I have millions of dollars in in real estate, but I live in a 1,200 square foot house with my wife and my four kids. I mean, you can see, if you're watching on YouTube, you can see all the kids. And so I just, I love that book because not all millionaires are gonna be flaunting it. We have one car, like, why do I need another car? Anyways, move on. (laughs) Absolutely agree, Millionaire Next Door is a great book. Now, Steve, you've given us so much great content. How can somebody get a hold of you? How can they find your courses on Audacity? How can they find you so that they can do what you've done?
0: Sure. Well, the main place they can come find me is my website, stevestuart.me. That's Stewart spelled Stu Art, yeah, S-T-E-W-A-R-T tme M-E. Uh, that's where you can schedule a call with me if you're looking to start a podcast. I do help people launch podcasts, even if they're out in the personal finance space. Uh, but if you're looking for somebody to help with the editing of your personal finance podcast, let me know. Uh, secondly, I've got the course there. It says uh, right on the site, there's two big buttons. One's schedule call, the other one is somehow, I forget what it's called, but it's like do it yourself. that will take you to the Audacity course. Uh, and that's the the main places you can find me other than Twitter. I love Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> Steve Stewart. Dot, uh, Steve Stewart. Me on
1: Twitter. Awesome, Steve. You are terrific, and I really, really appreciate your time you give me. Have so much great wisdom and advice and insight. So thank you very much for being on the Successful Unemployed Show. Thanks, Dustin. All right, Matt. Take care. And I'll be completely honest with you. I have three podcasts, and I should hire an editor for these. I have this show, Successful Unemployed Show. I have the Master Passive Income Show, which is talking about all about real estate rental properties and how to quit your job with real estate rental properties, as well as a movie podcast where my brother and I—it's called the Watch and Learn Podcast—and we talk about all the life lessons that we learn from the podcast or from the movies in the podcast. So. And so I want you to realize that there are so many podcasts out there that need a fantastic editor and you can absolutely do this and charge money and so you don't have to work a job. I currently need a podcast editor and I should hire one. I do it all myself. My brother helps me with with our podcast, but I need to hire. So you should absolutely start and imagine in five years from now, how many podcasts will actually be going? There are going to be so many five years from now or 10 years or 15 years from now. I think radio will eventually die off where it'll be all podcasts, which will be playable on demand podcasts. So get started now. Start learning that craft of editing podcasts and Get started. I want you to go down the route of passive income as well as editing podcasts. So go to successfullyunemployed.co forward slash free book. Get my best selling book, How to Quit Your Job with Passive Income. Get that completely for free. All right, guys, you've been fantastic. Thank you so much for being here. I'll see you next week where we interview another fantastic successfully unemployed person where they are going to show us how they became. Extraordinary by not having to work a JOB to provide for the family. All right, guys, I'll see you next week.